church repeat after me say I have a purpose and you do and, and I'm so excited that you're here today in fact this whole series that we've been doing that started a couple weeks ago is all about purpose it's all about living on purpose not not the way that we think we should not the way that maybe you've been taught by somebody else that you should but by what the word of God says because God's got a lot to say about purpose. And no one wants you to live your purpose more than him. I'll guarantee you that. So, again, if you're a first-time guest, man, Rachel, thank you so much for valuing and loving them and telling them that we love them. I want to give you a gift, but I'm so excited that you're here. I, uh, I'll, I'll start, well, actually, let me start with another question. And online, I, I need you to participate as well. So, hand-raise emoji if this applies to you. In the room, raise your hand if this applies to you. The question is this. Did you, as a kid, grow up going to church on kind of a regular basis. Anybody? Yeah. Okay, leave your hand up if as a kid you enjoyed it. You couldn't wait to go. You couldn't wait to get back. Okay, hands going down all over the place. All right, so, but some of you, you did, and that's awesome. A few of you. Uh, okay, me, uh, not so much. Okay, some of you know the story. I grew up Catholic, and uh, I, I church was not something I looked forward to. In fact, I tell people I got religious the night before church happen on Saturday night is when I would get religious and I was like dear God in the name of Jesus and Mary and Joseph and you know Peter Paul and you know the three wise men God please let my mom oversleep tomorrow morning in the name of I mean, let my mom or, or if she wakes up tomorrow morning let her think it's Saturday please and Jesus would never not once answer that prayer never when my mom, somehow she just, like, just methodically got up and wrangled six kids to church on Sunday. And we would go, and I'll tell you, I, I love our kids' ministry. There's a reason at Meadows Church our kids' ministry is the most important ministry. I didn't have that. I didn't have that growing up. So everybody was all together. Everybody was in general population, I call it. And there was no escape. And we were there, and uh, I got a lot of memories. I've shared some with you before, but... One, one, something I've never shared with you is a memory that will, ne will never leave me is our priest, he would sing. And, and, and he would sing things that he didn't need to sing. Like sometimes he was just talking or praying, but he'd sing it. I don't know if they're supposed to do that or if he just did it on his own. But he, he was a horrible singer, and I don't know why he did it. And what I remember is the way he sung. Because he, he would always drag out the ending. And I, again, I don't know if they teach all the priests that or if it's just him. I only know my experience. But, but, but this is what it would sound like. He'd be like... And may God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I, that's what it was. You know, all glory and honor to God and peace to his people on earth. And I was like, my thought was, I can't wait for this to be over. You know, I, you're a terrible singer. Anyway, so I, I just, I don't know what, it just, he wasn't good. I don't know why he's singing when he didn't have to. But anyway, so... Um, but, but church, so I, I had to go, and some of you maybe had to go too, but here's the thing. Church was, for me, was a place I went, and maybe it is for you too right now, and that's, uh, that's not a bad thing, but, but God's going to show us some things today. But it's a place that I went, and for me, I would, I would sit there, or I would stand, or I would kneel, and I would sit, and I would stand, and I would kneel, and eventually I would leave. And ultimately, when I hit 18 years old, I did what almost probably, I don't know the percentage, but it's high. I did what most other 18-year-olds do. I went off to, I went to college, but wherever you went, to work, to trade school, to college, to start a business, I left, I, did, I stopped going to church. And that, that, is not, that is not the exception, that would be the norm. But you need to know something about Meadows Church, we're bucking the trend. 
Okay, that's what we're going to do at this church. The reason that we raise them up young in the church to fall in love with Jesus in the church, because we know that when they hit 18 years old, they're not going to run from the church because they love it so much. They're going to find a a, a church in their community where they go to college and they're going to break down the doors to want to get in. See, that's what we're doing at Meadows Church. And that's what we're training people to do. But but that wasn't the trend uh, then for sure. So I left and through a lot of stupid decisions, through a lot of uh, painful moments, through a lot of selfishness. And brokenness, eventually, years later, God would lead me back to the church, back to the bride of Christ. Uh, it, it was a different church that I grew up in. Nonetheless, it was the church. And I went there, and, and God started to work in me. And, and, and what I learned in this church is that the church wasn't just the building or the place that I went, but they, taught, they said I was the church. And they said that, that, that the people were the church, not, 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 not the chairs or not the, not the construction, but the people were the church. And, and they had a motto there. And their motto wasn't, it wasn't fancy. It wasn't like all um, real, th- it was thought out, but it was simple. And it's the motto that I would say 98% of the churches would tell you their motto is. We love God and we love people. We love God and we love others. And that's actually a great model because that's the first and greatest commandment. And that's what they were focused on. And they would love God and they would love others. And there was a reason the church was growing and people were coming to know Christ like me. And, but, but here's the thing. And this is where I think that churches... And I don't want to say all churches are in this category, but, but, but churches, sometimes we're good at loving God and loving others. But Jesus commanded something else other than that. And after the greatest miracle in history, I wonder if you know what it is. It was nuts. And if you don't know it, you will by the end of today. The greatest miracle in history happened, and Jesus then gives a command. And, and the love God and love others was still there. It's still important. It still is today. But he said something to the church. He said, I need you to go. In fact, don't take my word for it. Let's put it up. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, I have been given all authority. Jesus has it all in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you need to go and you need to make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in my name. We're doing that on September 12th, like Rachel said. So, so by the way, September 12th, we will not be meeting here. So don't come here. You'll be lonely, all right? So we're, going, we're meeting at Nebraska Christian College on that day, one service, 10 o'clock. It is going to be epic. So, but, but he, said, he said, baptize them in my name, in the Father, in the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them. You got to teach each other to obey uh, the commandments and, and know that I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. So Jesus gives this command. So I wrote down the church. Yes, we should love God. Yes, we should love others. But we should also be going to make disciples. Jesus didn't just command it, he modeled it. He did. And I think there's a lot of churches, and, and, and I shared this either last week or the week before, but the church, certainly in the Western world, certainly in our country, is on the decline, okay? And if we ever needed the, 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 the message of Jesus to be on the incline, it would be now, okay? If we ever needed the, 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 the promise-filled, hope-filled word of God, it is now. But the church is on this decline. Why? I would contend, my opinion here, I would contend it's because we, we're not doing what Jesus commanded. I don't see many, even Meadows Church, We've been loving God. We've been loving people. We've been leading people to Christ. It's been awesome. But I know, and I know, and I've been praying about this for three years, probably more, but God's really been showing us things in the word of God that we are to go and make disciples. This is the key. And when you, when you make disciples, and then they make disciples, and then they make disciples, oh my gosh, this is, this is the power of multiplication. And discipleship, kind of a big word, but, but 
you know, it's growing closer to God. You can't just meet Jesus and say, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm good, I'm good to go. No, no, no. It is, there's a reason that in our logo, you, it's a circle around it. That's the constant pursuit. We never stop chasing Jesus. We never stop chasing Jesus. The journey is never over until he calls us home. And so we, we never stop chasing Jesus. So with all that said, what is disciple making? I've, I've defined it for you so simply. It is, it is intentional relationships. I don't believe it can be done in a classroom. I don't believe it can be done at a three-hour seminar. I don't believe that. I don't see, I don't see Jesus uh, having classrooms. I, and I, I'm a learner. I love the classroom setting, okay? So I'm not against learning or classrooms, but for discipleship I'm talking about. Growing in Christ. Jesus modeled it way different. He didn't have classrooms. He didn't do seminars. It, that's not how he taught. He, he did discipleship. It was intentional relationships. And his process, and, and there are five values of our discipleship process, Okay? Our discipleship process, they're purpose groups is what they're called. Okay, we have life groups and then we have purpose groups. So I'm talking about purpose groups. This is what we're unveiling. Okay, this is huge for you. I promise you, it is huge for you. Bigger than you maybe know. There's five values. Last week I gave you three. This week I'm going to finish off two. Let's recap real quick. The first one from last week, the process is simple. Say simple. It's got to be simple. Jesus kept it so simple. Do you know how simple it was for Jesus? He had 12 people, disciples, that he poured into and he walked with. And they did life together. And he taught them things. How to love people and how to heal people and how to reach people and how to fish for people. This is what Jesus taught them. We would call that Jesus' life group. He had a life group. We have life groups at Meadows Church. Small groups. We meet during the week. We do life together. We get in the word of God. We, 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 we laugh together. We pray together. They're awesome. They're a huge part of our church because they were a huge part of Jesus' life. And then Jesus, he also had a purpose group. That's what we're talking about in the series. Jesus' purpose group was four people. It was him, Peter, James, and John. Those were the inner three. He brought them even closer. And they really got intimate together. They really shared some deep, dark, not dark, well, sometimes dark. They really shared some uh, intimate moments of teaching, of love, of, of, of disciple making. That was Jesus' purpose group. That was it. That's what he did. And he said, now you do the same. So, so Meadows, we will never be a church full of a bunch of different ministries. We won't be. Like what we're unveiling here, we're almost four years into our, our existence, okay? What we're unveiling here, I mean, this is it. Like 25 years from now, we're going to have purpose groups. We're going to have life groups. And, and, and we're going to, I mean, we'll have financial peace. We'll have a, a celebrate recovery, which I'll talk about in a second. But there won't be, oh, there's 1,400 minutes. No. I mean, if the life groups want to do their thing, they have the authority to do whatever God's leading them to do and they want to you know help these people or help those people that's great but we keep it simple because Jesus kept it simple the process is simple number two the curriculum oh my, you got to have a curriculum when you do a discipleship you got to have a curriculum so people know what the guide is the curriculum I know what you're thinking it's probably a Joyce Meyer book right no it's not it's got to be a Beth Moore study I know Beth Moore is right next to Jesus but it's not her either it is the Bible I know it's nuts, but the Bible's our curriculum. We don't buy a curriculum. Well, you buy the Bible, but you shouldn't. Well, you can, you can steal one from Meadows. I don't even care. We give them away. So, but the curriculum is the Word of God. Again, if we've ever needed people to get in the Word of God and live it out, it is now. People don't know the Word of God. I don't want our church to be biblically ignorant. That would be insane. He, God put together one book. One out of all the things, all the self-help books, all the millions of books that go out every year. We're not, I don't care about any of them right now. All I care about is the Word of God. You get in the Word of God together, Jesus will, he will do something supernatural. Our curriculum is the Word of God. 
You all probably have a curriculum somewhere. It might be on a, it might be on a shelf full of dust, but you, I bet you have a curriculum somewhere. The teacher, it ain't you, it ain't me. Uh, he's really good. You, you, you're, you know, he has a doctorate, and you might be thinking, he's got a doctorate in theology. Actually, he is theology. The teacher, his name is Holy Spirit. He teaches, he guides, he convicts, he leads. Now, a purpose group will have a leader, but they're just facilitating. They're encouraging. They're, they're loving the group and keeping things on track, but they ain't teaching it. The Bible's the curriculum. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. Say it's simple. It's simple. This is, I wish I was so brilliant. I can tell you how smart your pastor is. Look what I came up with. I didn't come up with it. Jesus came up with it. This is what he did. So huge. So now we get into some new stuff. Value number four. The focus of these purpose groups, of the discipleship process that God has given to Meadows Church, the focus is obedience. Say obedience. obedience. It, it, this, don't miss this. It's easy to say, oh yeah, we're supposed to obey. Yes, we're supposed to, but very few people do. I promise you. Eugene Peterson, he wrote the message paraphrase. If you ever heard of the message translation, it's really a paraphrase, but he wrote it. He, this, was his, this was what his description of discipleship is. I love it. Long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction. We, we want to go 1,400 different places quickly and see results everywhere. No, no, no. No, steady plotting leads to prosperity. Steady plotting leads to prosperity. Oh, but we, well, we need this ministry and that ministry. No, no, no. No, we don't. No, we don't. This is, what, this is what God's calling us to do. This is it. Long obedience in the same direction. When you listen to Jesus and you do what he says, your life will change. We want to complicate it. Well, I don't know, Jesus, did you really mean? And Jesus is like, yep, that's what I meant. So long, or long obedience in the same direction, listening to God. Man, so I talked about my church experience. I can't blame the Catholic church, really. I got my foundation of Jesus there. I can't blame them that I wasn't getting anything out of it. I wasn't listening. And I certainly wasn't doing what they were saying. In fact, I would do the opposite. And then I'd have to go to confession. Did anybody grow up in that atmosphere? You ever have to go to confession as a kid? Oh my gosh. Is there any other form of torture worse? I don't, like, oh my God. I, just, all, I have these memories of, like, fifth grade, lining up the kids. We go from the Catholic uh, grade school to the church, and they line us up in the church, just like cattle going in for the slaughter. And there's the confessional. And we go in one at a time, bam. And, and, and we could judge each other. It was great judging other people. I love doing it. So, so we would judge our, our classmates, like if they were in the confessional a long time, we'd be like, dang, <laughs> what'd they do? You know? So she'd come out 20 minutes later. I'm like, dang, girl, would you kill somebody? I mean, if, if it took longer, we knew they were jacked up. And, uh, and I, I'll never forget, my buddy was in front of me. And if I was a bad kid, he was a worse kid. So I'm like, this will take a while. He literally came out of the confessional in like 47 seconds. I looked at him, I said, you are a liar. You lie, like you're lying at confession, that's bad. I wanted to tell the priest, you want me to go back and get that guy? Because there's no way he told you everything. Okay, so anyway, those are my issues. But so, conf <laughs> so but anyway, um, I, I want you to desperately follow what Jesus tells you to do. Don't, not even me, if I give you my opinion, you can listen to it, but if it isn't back, if you can't back up what I say in the word of God, I would run from this church. I, I'm kidding you. My opinion, I tell you this all the time, my opinion will land you in jail, okay? That's what I'm good at. So, but, but God, he'll set you free. Jesus, through the word of God, will set you free when you listen to God. Not when you listen to people's opinions. Not when you listen to your best friend give you their worldly advice. Not when you listen to your favorite influencer on Instagram, you know? 
Well, I don't know, Pastor. They got a lot of followers. Yeah, so did Hitler, okay? I'm just saying. He had a lot too, and he killed himself. In fact, <laughs> this is, so, this is, I don't, I, don't, I don't go on the news much because I prefer my sanity, but when I, when I want to, you know, like hit myself in the head real hard with a hammer, I'll pull up the news, and, I'll, 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 and every time I pull up the news, almost every time I see like some influencer kill themselves. I mean, I'm not, maybe it's, and I think to myself, were, were, were we ever created to have that kind of a platform? Like when your platform outgrows, you know, your growth in Christ, you're in trouble. And we see this all the time. And, and we see people putting their identity in who likes me or who follows me or who I'm following. I'm, I mean, you'll never find your identity in how many followers you have, ever. You'll only find your identity in the one that you follow. His name is Jesus. That's who you're, that's where you're, the only place. That's why we want to do what he says. What do you say, Jesus? What do we do? He'll tell us. In fact, Jesus' brother, James, James, who defiantly didn't believe his brother was anything special until the greatest miracle in history happened. That's coming later. So, but James, he was changed by something, and then he wrote a book in the Bible. And in that book, this is what he said. Don't listen, don't just listen to what God's word, what God's word says. You must do what it says that is so big. Otherwise, you're fooling yourself. Don't just come to church and just listen and leave. If that's all you do, you're fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You, you see yourself, you walk away, you forget what you look like. But if, you, but if you look carefully into the perfect law, the word of God, it sets you free. And if you do what it says, you don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. And what so many people don't understand, God isn't giving you commands to, to, to harm you or take joy from you. He, that's not how he works. He does it to protect you. He does it to love you. He does it to bring you closer to your God-given purpose. That's why he does it. We think, well, I gotta do this and these are rules. I'm telling you, God it has your best interest in mind. The key to walk, and it'll set you free. The key to walking in freedom is directly connected to your obedience to God. People are like, I want to get set free. I'm living in bondage. Are you being obedient in areas of your life? He'll set you free physically. I, I, if, until I got obedient in areas of my life under the word of God is when I started to get set free from a drug addiction that wanted to kill me. It wasn't until I started getting obedient. Okay, I, I didn't need more seminars. I didn't need more advice. I didn't even need, I didn't need to read the word of God. I already knew enough of it. So we don't need to learn more, most of us. We need to do something with what we already know. That's what I needed to do. So, and you need to know the same thing. If there's areas of your life, maybe emotionally, spiritually, that are jacked up, are you, is there areas you're being disobedient? I mean, we've, we've all got these things, and, and you already, you, and you know what, many of you, I mean, God's word is written on your heart. You got a moral compass. You know when you're doing things that aren't of God. And it hurts you. God blesses obedience. Oh my gosh, financially. Rachel talked about financial peace. I'm begging you. You still have time to get in this. Nine weeks once a week. It radically changed my life and my family. It starts tomorrow night, but you still have time. Please, please, please consider it. I mean, it, it, it costs like 99 bucks. You'll make that up in the first, in the first meeting. I promise you. It, it is... It's, so, so you know what it talks about? It talks about having your life in order under the umbrella of, of obedience to God. 
Because understand something, when your life isn't in order, and your life is messed up in areas, maybe it's relationally, maybe it's sexually, maybe it's um, uh, in whatever, financially, something's out of order. We had, a, we had a message a few weeks ago, you remember it? The principle of first? So, so that message, if you, if you missed it, go back on our website and watch it. It will change your life. It will change your life. So it, it's, it, it, you can say it's tied to finances, but it was way bigger than that. So you know what got me so excited? Since that, since that message, since we did that message, I, I see people from our church stepping in with obedience. We've had more first-time givers in our church over the last three weeks than we've had in the last three months. Now that excites me because people are saying, I want to trust God. I want to put God first. I want God to bless me. And I'm not talking prosperity. I'm not talking, oh, money's going to rain. I mean blessings in your family, in your marriage, with your children. This is what it does. It's so big. I wrote it down. Anytime Jesus isn't first in our lives, you ready for this? Anytime Jesus isn't first in our lives, we will always do things that hurt us and hurt others. We, uh, you always will. You don't intentionally mean, make me mean to do it, but you'll do it. When he isn't first in your life, problems happen when obedience becomes optional. I'm going to say it again. Problems happen when obedience becomes optional. Obedience isn't a bad thing. Obedience is a beautiful thing. The main mark of a true disciple, it isn't, learning the, it isn't learning the word of God. You know what it is? Living it out. That is the true mark of a disciple. It, 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 and that's what we're teaching in these purpose groups that I'm talking about. And obedience, here's the cool thing. Obedience, it always leads back to love. Say love. I'll show you. Well, God will show you. Listen to this. This is the King Jesus speaking. John 15, 10. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey the Father com Father's commandments and I remain in his love. Obedience is always connected to love. I'll get more personal. Obedience is always connected to a who. Okay? Now sometimes the who is you, but many times it's the who beside you. It's like the spirit of Dr. Seuss up in here, right? <laughs> Uncanceled right now. So <laughs> turn to your neighbor and say, you're a who. Tell your neighbor, you're a who. You're a who. Who's matter to God? See, love is always connected to a who. It's always connected to a person. Jesus said in John 13, the same setting at the Last Supper, so now I give you a new commandment. So, so Jesus, you're saying we should obey? Yes, Jesus says it's a commandment. Obey it. And here's what he says. Remember, it's connected to love. Jesus says, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Love the who next to you. That's what he's saying. For your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. It's the proof that, that, that Christ lives in you. Your obedience is connected to love. Remember, so at the end of John, if you read the Gospel of John at the very end, after that greatest miracle in history, Jesus is speaking to Peter. And Peter's denied Jesus three times. It feels horrible, right? He's just low upon low upon low. He's let down his mentor. He's let down his best friend, his teacher. I mean, he was in Jesus' purpose group. That's what he was in. And he, and, he, and he lied about him three times. And here's what Jesus did. Remember what he said? Jesus, this is crazy. If you, if you want to see how obedience is connected to love, um, three times, that's right. So three times, the first time uh, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, I mean, Jesus, you know, we, we're in that group together. Yeah, you know I love you. And then Jesus says, then feed my sheep. So, so, so he, asked, he asked Peter, do you love me? And then he, said, then, he, then he gives a command to be obedient. Okay, if you love me, feed my sheep. Obedience and love are always connected. In fact, three times Jesus asked that, and I wrote it down. 
Three times he tied the question of love to obedience. Three times Jesus ties love to obedience. Obedience always leads back to love. It always does. So the fourth pillar, the fourth value in these purpose groups, this is discipleship process that God has given to Meadows Church. The fourth, the fourth is this, the focus is obedience. And last but certainly not least, the result of it all is multiplication. The result is multiplication. The result was always supposed to be multiplication, by the way. What did Jesus say in the beginning in Genesis 1? Be fruitful and multiply. Right? Right now there's some guy nudging his wife. You hear that, baby? You know what we're doing later, huh? Boom, chicka, boom. She's like, she's like, yeah, I know what you're doing later. Clean the garage, then t- come talk to me, right? So, yeah. Jody and I were talking about love languages last night, weren't we, Jody? She's like, oh, God, what's he going to say? Um, so, there are love languages out there. You know that, right? Uh, uh, acts of service, uh, words of affirmation, I got to thank, giving gifts, physical touch. And, and I've, tried to, I've tried to help Jody see that her, her love language is physical touch, but she's not being obedient to the Holy Spirit about that. So, um, she, so hers is actually uh, acts of service. So Friday, I spent three hours um, cleaning my office. So my office had looked like a, a Category 5 hurricane went through it. So I thought, you know, let's do something here. And it was Jody's birthday this weekend. So I thought, you know what, I'll surprise her and clean my office. It took like three and a half hours. It was t- <laughs> so anyway, so I clean it. Jody gets home, and she looks at my office, and she, she, she was celebrating like she had met Jesus face to face. I kid you not. I cannot remember the last time I seen her jump and, like, scream and, like, go cr- I'm like, wow, she's really excited about this. I think, I thought to myself, maybe today I'll go home and mess it all up again and clean it up again. But then I thought, no, that's a lot of work. So I'm not going to do that. But we all have love languages. And, and, and love and obedience are tied together. But multiplication, this is the result. Go and make disciples in all the nations. Reaching people that reach people. Discipling people that disciple people that disciple people. This is the key. If Jesus came back to evaluate the churches, which, by the way, he does and he will do, read Revelation. If you don't think the, the results of what the churches are happening in the church matter to Jesus, read Revelation. The results of the church matter to Jesus. He evaluates some early churches in Revelation, and some of them get some good marks, and some of them, their annual review, eh. Like, if your boss sits you down, and he says, you know what, I want to describe your performance over the last year, I would describe it like this. I vomit you out of my mouth, okay? You're not getting a raise. I don't care how, you're not getting a raise. That's what Jesus, that was his, that was his performance uh, uh, review on a church. Jesus cares about his church. If Jesus came back to review the church and review maybe Meadows and other churches, uh, he wouldn't, you know what he wouldn't look at? He wouldn't look at our programming. He wouldn't look at um, the facility. I don't think he would. I don't think he'd count the number of ministries and say, okay, you're successful, you're not successful. I don't think he'd say, oh, you serve Starbucks coffee. You know, you, in fact, we don't serve Starbucks because we love Jesus, okay? I'll just say it out loud. Some of you are like, oh, Starbucks. You know what? I'd star sucks is what I call it because the coffee ain't that good. Maybe it's the frappuccino, cappuccino, lappuccino, whatever. But the coffee, no. We serve you the good stuff here. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's good, though. So, um, so but, but what, what is Jesus? What's the measuring stick going to be? It won't be any of those things. You know what it's going to be? He's going to say, did you love God and love others? And did you make disciples? That's what he's going to say. Did you make disciples? It's going to be a big deal. And here's the thing. If, if, if I make a disciple and I'm pour into a disciple and then they don't do the same, I failed. I failed. If it stops, see, if it's, and the same is true for the church. We're not just called to make disciples individually. Churches are called to make other churches. Did you know that? 
If churches didn't plant churches, Meadow Church wouldn't be here. If churches didn't plant churches, there would be no churches in this side of the world. None. So, but when churches start planting churches, it is, it is huge. I wrote this down. I said, not only do we multiply disciples, but the same is true for the bride of Christ. Now, now I love Meadows Church. I'm partial to Meadows Church. Maybe you are too. I love this church. I love you. Some of y'all, some of y'all are crazy, and you already know who you are, but I still love you. I love Meadows. But, but listen to me. Jesus didn't die for Meadows Church. He died for the church. And we didn't plant Meadows Church like four years ago to, to like be at one specific location and just say, we're there. Or we didn't plant Meadows Church to build a brand. I guess that's the way I can tell you. We didn't plant Meadows Church to build a brand. I could give a rip less about a brand. We planted Meadows Church to start a movement that would ultimately build the kingdom of God. That is why we started. And, it's, and Meadows is just the beginning, baby. It's just the beginning. In fact, Crossover Church, our first church plant, our first little baby is coming soon. We're ready to pop. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's supposed to, he, was, he or she, whatever, you, whatever gender you want to give, was supposed to come. Pink or blue, I don't know. Blow it up and let's see what it is. So, um, anyway, so gender reveal. Okay, whatever. So, um, now you get me all confused. Stop talking to me. So, uh, so <laughs> crossover church. Um, that's our first church plant. I hope we have thousands. I hope we have thousands of church plants. They won't happen unless we multiply disciples. They won't happen unless we multiply churches. Guaranteed. Crossover church was supposed to launch a year ago, by the way. COVID, jerk that it is, held it up a little bit. But what the devil meant for evil, God's using it for good. Because during that time, we found a location that is in a perfect place in Bennington, Nebraska, Northwest Omaha, Heritage Elementary School is where they're launching October 17th. I said October 17th, we're launching our first church. Crossover, baby. People will cross over from death to life. So if you know people in Bennington, online, are you, are you listening? If you know people in the Bennington area, Elkhorn area, Northwest Omaha area, and they don't have a church home, they don't know Jesus, send them to Crossover right immediately to the website. Send them there. We are so excited. October 17th, we're having a baby. Cannot wait. So, but without planting churches, listen to me. If we don't do that, we're not fulfilling the Great Commission. If, we, if we're not a church, it's not about meadows. It never was. We're, 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 we're the start of something, a movement. It was never about one location. It was all, always about multiplying. Churches that multiply, churches that plant churches and equip their people to, to, to put every area of their life under the rule and under the reign of King Jesus, those churches change the world. That's what we want to do. That's what God's called us to do. But it starts with this little group. You know how the first churches started? Barnabas. This guy that brought along Paul, heard of Paul. So Barnabas grabbed Paul and John Mark. So John Mark, that's Mark that wrote the gospel. He grabbed them and they went on a missionary journey. And they started to plant some churches. You know, there was a Jerusalem church, the church in Antioch. And Antioch started to plant these churches. So Barnabas brought Paul and John Mark. And they started to, to fulfill this great commission. And it was amazing. But it didn't stop there. Then Paul thought, okay, Barnabas did that for me. Now it's my turn. So Paul grabbed Silas. He grabbed Timothy. Timothy, he grabbed Luke. And they went on a missionary journey. And they started, started to do their things. You see how it worked? That's what they did. This is how it started. This is how Meadows came to be. So... And people will say to me, 
You know, I don't, I don't go to church because the church is just, the church is so far from the first church. And the first church, you know, they were doing all these great things and selling everything and doing life together. And now the church is just, oh, they want your money or it's all about this or that. And I'm like, you know, the church has always been messed up. Let's just call it what it is. The church is messed up because you walked in here and so did I. That's why the church is jacked up, right? We are fallen. Even with Christ in us, we're still, I'm still seeking Jesus. He, he's perfect. Every day he's perfecting me, making me more like him, but I got a long ways to go. And so people, you know, are kind of messed up. You know that? You, you get it, right? So uh, this church has always been messed up. One of the churches that Paul and, the, and, and Silas and Timothy, one of the churches they planted was a church in Corinth. This is modern day Greece. This church, if you think the church was so perfect back, Paul had to write them a letter. Read 1 Corinthians 1. Read like the first chapter. Paul's telling them, hey church, why are you so jacked up? Stop getting hammered during communion. That's what he told them. He maybe didn't use Monty Gannon vernacular, but you get it. He told, they were getting drunk at communion. Like, like Jesus said, take the cup. Well, they were lining them up for shots, okay? That's what they did. And Paul's like, okay, knock that off. Don't do that anymore. The church has always been messed up. But, I, but you know what? It's still God's vehicle. It's still God's bride. And it's still God's number one plan to bring out the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. I love the local church. Messed up, yes. God's plan, you better believe it. It is God's plan. So, Paul, also in that, in that Corinth letter, the first Corinthians, you know what he wrote? And this is kind of a motto for purpose groups. Here's what he wrote. Uh, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Here's what he said to them. You guys are so messed up, but you know what? Here's what we need to do. Follow me as I follow Jesus, okay? Don't, don't just follow me because I'll lead you to bad places, but follow me as I follow Jesus. This is a purpose group. Well, follow me. Let's follow, let's follow each other. Follow, let's do this together as we follow Jesus. That is it. That's what, Paul, that's what Paul wrote through the inspired word of God, through the inspired uh, divine power of God, I should say. Man, and wherever Paul went, he kept it simple. He did two things. He did a lot of things, but you can narrow it down to two. Paul preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he made disciples. It's really all he did. It, it, it's it. Why do we have to complicate it with so many different things? I want to keep it simple. That's why the value, number one, is keeping it simple. Disciple making is, is something every Christ follower is called to do. We're all called to do it. It's the very framework of the church. But yet so many few churches are doing it. And I'm not here to point fingers at churches. I could point it right at ours and find a lot of issues right at Meadows. But, but we're doing, I want to get under the umbrella of God's word. He, he, Jesus had a life group. Jesus did purpose groups. That's what we call it. But, you know, you get it. It's huge. But for me, let's back it up to the beginning. Church was a place that I went. A place that I came and I sat and I left. And maybe that's what it is for you right now. I love you. But, but that's not what it was supposed to be. It was never supposed to be that. Where do you see in the word of God where Jesus gathered them and they sat and they listened and they left and they lived their life? It's not what they did. It's what we've taught. The church was never supposed to be that. The mission God has given us, it is, how can I say it? The mission I think that God has given us is to like fill the hearts of, of, of people everywhere with the love of the Father and the good news of Jesus Christ. And this will only happen through the power of multiplication. It won't happen any other way. It's, it's, it's plotting. It, it can be, it'll be difficult, but it's so worth it. Purpose is a process. God has given us a plan. 
So, so as I close, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something before you. Because I think when we go to church, we can be deceived into thinking, you know what? I'm doing what the Bible says. I'm, I'm on board, and you are. You are doing some of what the Bible says. I'm proud of you. You're here. A lot of you got your, the Word of God open. You're listening. But, but as I go through, I went through um, seminary at Oklahoma Wesleyan, and as I went through that, they would list eight attributes that if you're being, disi- if you're being discipled, in other words, if you're growing in your relationship with Jesus, eight attributes are evident. And you may not have all, in fact, you won't have all eight probably. I'm just going to say it out loud. You won't probably have all eight, but you should have them. You should have some of them. Now, now I, I don't want anybody to say it out loud. Don't type it in comments whether you're doing it or not doing it. But as I, as I list these eight, I want you in your heart to truly ask yourself, am I doing this? Am I living this out? Because, because Jesus says, I will judge you by your fruit. That's what he said. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me and you'll bear fruit. So if you're abiding in Christ and we're walking with Jesus, there should be fruit. If there's no fruit, you've been deceived. Okay? And, so, and, and this is for me as much as you. Bible engagement. Bible engagement. People that are seeking Jesus that, and, and are growing in Christ, they're in the word of God. They're in the word. You can't live your purpose and not get in the word of God. How, you, that's where you're getting everything that you need to live by. If you don't know it, you certainly can't live by it. Bible engagement. Seeking God. That's kind of generic, but seeking God. The Bible says, you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart. That's what Jesus said. You'll find me when you seek Are you seeking him with all of your heart? Are you seeking God? Does he have your heart? Number three, obeying God and denying self. Remember, remember uh, obedience is, is the focus. Do you obey God and deny self? I mean, we, we could get practical, you know, Tithing is obeying God. Are you, are you, are, okay? Oh, uh, pre, uh, sexu- being sexually immoral, okay? Premarital sex, well, I'm, I'm doing, that's not obeying God. And I'm not judging you. I did that, okay? This is for me as much as you. Serving God and others. Do you serve God and others in this bride of Christ, outside the bride of Christ? Do you exercise faith? And I don't, I don't mean when things are good. I mean when things are bad. I mean when things suck. I mean when your world is imploding. Do you freak out like the world would do when you watch the news, which I would discourage, but if you do, are you in fear all the time? Okay, that's, a, that, that's, that's not a, a someone who's seeking God. Would not be living in fear like that. They might have fear once in a while, but they're not living in it. Do you faith up or do you freak out? That is a huge indicator. Building relationships is critical in walking with Christ. You, I wrote it down, transformation cannot happen in isolation. It can't. And there, I learned in this, in this class that I went to, there are four types of groups. There's um, the crowd, 50 plus people. That's like right now, right? That, that's, con- you know, Garth Brooks, he, did he have more than 50 people at his concert? Did he? Okay, then that was, I guess he did. Okay, so that was a crowd. So, but then there's 20 to 50 people. That's a social environment. Those are two groups, but do you know what studies tell you? It's the other, it's the two, the two groups that I'm getting to, that's where life change happens. The, the social, the crowd, you can hide in those. You can, you can kind of go there and not really change. These last two, uh, personal groups, five to 12 people, we call it a life group. Life change will start to happen there. You start to get real with people. You can't really hide, right? You're right there. You can not share some things and you can maybe hold back, but you're there. I mean, you're, you're, you're getting personal with each other. You're praying for each other. You're sharing your, some hurts and sharing some, some joy. 
You know where life change happened the most? Two to four people, an intimate group. We would call it a personal group. That's four people. By the way, if you're wondering where we're going, four people are in a purpose group. They do life together, getting in the word of God for a year. These attributes that I just listed, that's six of them. You will do every one of them. Every one of them will be happening. Every one of them will be happening. Number seven, unashamed transparency. That means you are sharing intimately with people. Your struggles, what's going on with your kids and your marriage and your finances. And, you know, if you've got a dead body in the backyard, you're just, you're sharing it and you're begging them not to tell the cops. I mean, it's, it's all in. It's unashamed transparency. But the relational piece, that's where the life change happens. You know, Jesus, life change didn't happen. I mean, Jesus taught a lot of people from boats and mountaintops. You know, you know that, right? Thousands gathered to listen to Jesus preach. Guess what? Most of those people probably weren't changed. I'm just being honest with you. You can show up and listen to Jesus all you want. Doesn't matter. Most of them wanted to get something from Jesus. They wanted a healing. They wanted a meal. They wanted something. Jesus says, until you come and you take what I, what I have and you give it away. The last, the last one is sharing Jesus, sharing Christ. It is, proved, it is a proven fact that people in groups share their faith more than people that are not doing life together in a life group or purpose group. I guarantee you. Now, if you're, if you're sharing your faith and you're sharing the word of God and you wake up and you're like, kids, we're going to go witness to the neighborhood today, all right? Grab your sword and your shield. Okay, first of all, that's a little strange, but whatever. And your, your, your neighbors hate you, but what, okay, whatever. So, um, but you're probably not doing that. The number one thing, so we, we piloted purpose groups for this last year. We had a few of them going. And I was in one, and we had our last meeting this last week. And I told the, the three guys, well, two. One guy was, is deployed right now, so he was doing it virtually. But I told him, I said, the number one thing I've gleaned out of this group, it, it has forced me, and I'm the pastor, to share my faith. It has forced me to share, to, 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 care about others more than I would care about them. Matthew 4, 18 and 19. One day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw, saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew, throwing a net in the water. They fished for a living. And Jesus called them and he said, come follow me. He said, I'll show you how to do miracles. I'll show you how to gather a crowd. I'll show you how to preach a message. No, wait a minute. He didn't say any of that. All he said was, I'll show you how to fish for people. Discipleship purpose groups, it always leads back to reaching people for Jesus. That's always the mission we'll have. Discipleship always leads to evangelism. And I, and I talk to churches and I, 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 I have just, maybe I'm wired, I am wired differently. Let's, let's call it what it is. I, you, well, it's summer, so we're just sustaining. We're, we're, just, we're happy to sustain. And I'm like, I don't even get, I don't even get it. I want to skyrocket growth in the summer. Not to get a big church, but to build a big kingdom for Jesus. This is what I want. Oh, we're just gonna, man, well, there's COVID. Well, COVID, you know, our church ain't growing. Okay, there's always gonna be something you have an excuse for, okay? Well, we're maintaining. We're not called to maintain. We're called to multiply. That's what Jesus said. We're not called to hold the fort. Man, we're, we're called to literally, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're called to rip down the gates of hell in Jesus' name. So that's what we're gonna do. I, don't, I can't speak for other churches. I know this, we need community. Some of you are in life groups, some of you aren't. Purpose groups, uh, Thursday, this Thursday at Nebraska Christian, I pray that you'll come and learn more. I'm, I'll, I'll really drill down and you can sign up for them if you want, you don't have to. You can get a life group if you want, you don't have to. But you'll learn exactly about what, you'll learn every detail about purpose groups that you need. Because they're launching. They're launching in, in September, very soon. So September 26th, or no, excuse me, 
uh, August 26th, this, this week, Thursday, seven o'clock, Nebraska Christian. And if you can't make it, whatever you're going, okay, we're gonna record it too. We'll post it on YouTube, but I really, I want you there to either sign up or hear more about it. It's so critical. You know how critical groups are? You know the story of the trailer and Mike. Haven't talked about that for a while. So, so, so Mike stole the trailer, burnt it, came to Jesus. You know, the, it's, it's a, in fact, 100.7 KGBI, they're going to air an interview that they did with Mike and I this week on the radio. Uh, all morning, uh, all, every morning, Monday through Friday. You know what hit me when they, we just recorded it a couple weeks ago. Here's what hit me. And they're like, they heard the story, they heard about it, and they're like, this is insane. Like, if this is a Hollywood type thing. So, so here's, here's, and I'm like, if this ever goes to a movie, I mean, they'll probably have Brad Pitt, Pitt play me, I'm guessing. I don't know for sure, but, you know, think about that. So, but who's going to play Mike? That'd be some big, good-looking, strapping dude. Maybe, like, we, we thought Hopper from Stranger Things. We thought he, if you know, anyway, so Google it. So, um, <laughs> so, so they're, they're interviewing us, and uh, we're telling, or Mike is telling the story, I'm telling the story. And then we get to the point, and some of you don't know this, because I've been very guarded with my story. Because I felt like putting him on a platform was helpful in some ways for the kingdom of God, but also it, it, it's a spiritual battle. I love Mike, and I'll do anything I can for him. So Mike drifted after he came to Meadows. I mean, the guy's been using drugs since he's 12 years old. So if you think it's one and done with Jesus, it's a daily surrender. Can I just say that? So... They, uh, they're interviewing us, and, and then we, I talk about how Mike fell away. And all of a sudden, I didn't see Mike anymore. Now, Mike never really connected to a group authentically. He never did. He was serving in the church. He was a part of the church. He was greeting and loving people. And Jesus entered into his heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. That was a fact. But he never connected. And all of a sudden, he, because of no connection, he drifted. And he would tell you this. And I remember thinking, he'll come back. God will bring him back. And then his daughter showed me a picture of his jail picture. Mike went out and was using and got arrested again. And I'm sure he's thinking, my gosh, how embarrassing. A church that went to bat for me and now I'm, and all I'm thinking is I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to hug him. I can't wait to love him. That's all I can think about. So Mike, I never thought he'd get out. I honestly never thought he'd get out of jail. I guess God has plans. But while he was in jail, Mike was witnessing. He got sober, got a clear head, and he starts witnessing to other guys. And one of the guys that he witnessed to been calling me every week since January. Every week! He's like, oh, Mike Smith, Mike Smith. Jesus Christ, Mike Smith. I said, well, you know, Jesus, you know, Mike. Mike. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, you can share that story as it comes out on the radio. They'll give opportunities to share it. We're praying that people will come to Christ through it. That's all I care about. Come to Meadows, don't come to Meadows. I don't, whatever. Go to a church somewhere, please. Give your life to Jesus, please. But Mike was never connected to a group. By the way, Mike, you're in my purpose group. You know that, right? I've already told you that. No one else can have Mike in their purpose group because I already stole him. He's mine. So, but, but Mike's, Mike's connecting now. Mike's going to start a Celebrate Recovery meeting. If you have a hurt habit or hang-up, addiction, uh, drugs, sex, alcohol, uh, abuse, you get angry, um, you, uh, pornography, life issues. Oh, that would be every one of us. If you have any of those hurt habits or hangups, Mike, if, and this is the guy's one right now, it's a, but he's starting a Celebrate Recovery where you'll meet weekly and work through the 12 steps of recovery starting in a couple weeks. If you're interested or have questions, write Celebrate Recovery on your card. I kid you not, he's leading it. 
and I'm so, I'm so excited. But, uh, but, but the story of that guy in jail, that other guy that you witnessed to, Mike, and he, he can't talk enough about you and Jesus, well, he calls me this week, and he's like, Monty! I'm like, hey, what's going on? He's like, you know what this week is? I said, I do. He said, I'm getting out. I said, I know. I said, Friday, right? He said, yep. He said, you know what? I said, what? He said, you know I'm going to be at Meadows Church on Sunday. And I said, you better be, baby. So the power of community and the power of relationship and the power of evangelism and sharing your story and your hope. Mike, don't have it all figured out, neither do I. But we're seeking the one who is. And we're going to do it through the context of community. We're doing it. Everything leads back to a bloody cross. Know that. Discipleship, evangelism, faith, it all leads to a bloody cross. And that greatest miracle in history, well, it didn't stop at the cross. Let's just say that. And some of you, you need to stop carrying your guilt and your shame and your past around. Please leave it at the cross. Jesus Christ died there so you don't have to carry it anymore. So you can be set free from all your, all your mess that you've made in your life. And you know what it is and you keep beating yourself up. Stop! You don't have to do it anymore. Leave it at a bloody cross, but the bloody cross isn't where the story ends. It leads to this, this three days later, this, it leads to a tomb. And it was at, and it was at the tomb is, is where it really happened, right? It was at the tomb where, where, where everything Jesus said, he proved it was true. It's where, it's where Jesus proved that, that his death wasn't just, it wasn't the end, but it was actually the beginning. It was at the tomb where, where they went and they realized that Jesus wasn't dead, but he was alive. And because Jesus was alive, we can have that new life in Jesus Christ. You can have it, and you can have it, and you have it, and you're going to live it out. That's what God wants to do. Surrender everything to Jesus. I want to pray for you. Thursday night, 7 o'clock, Nebraska Christian. Financial peace. Who's gonna? Who's jumping in? Celebrate recovery for the guys right now. I'm still. I'm still looking for a, a woman leader actually for the girl side. If you've ever worked the 12 steps of recovery, I mean worked them, and you want you want to lead the women's talk to me. Online, type I choose Jesus in the comments, or actually, you know what? No, text I choose Jesus to four seven four seven four seven all together. Text I choose Jesus one word, or put it as one word together. Surrender to an empty tomb. If Jesus can take a bloodstained cross and turn it into an empty tomb, don't you think he has the power to take what is dead in you and bring it back to life? He does. Why do we do this? Why do purpose groups matter? Because we need each other to live our purpose. We can't do it by ourselves. In and of ourselves, we'll take the easy route every time. But with accountability, authenticity, and love, seeking the Lord together, you'll change the world. But you need people to help you. I'm your pastor, and I need people to help me. And baptism, oh my gosh, the Bible says you should declare out loud that you've been saved. You know how we do it? Through baptism. Baptism doesn't save you, by the way. If you grew up getting taught that, it's not biblical, I'm just saying. A relationship with Jesus Christ saves you. Believing Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died on a cross and rose from the dead, that saves you. Asking him to come into you and make you new and forgive you, that saves you. A relationship with Jesus saves you. Nothing else. Don't add to it. You don't have to. You can't do anything to earn it. Besides surrender to it by faith. That's what saves you. But baptism tells the world that you're saved. And maybe you've been baptized as a baby, and, and that was my story. But that, that baptism is, a, is your decision. And you didn't decide that as a baby. So that's why you need to do it when you're older. So if that's your story, baptism is your next step if, you're, if Christ is in you. I'm going to pray for you. 
man, I, I, I really pray that through what you're learning about our discipleship process that you don't see it as like something else to do. I don't want to clutter your schedule with a bunch of activities or a bunch of have-tos. I just want to keep it simple because Jesus did. Get in something. It might be a life group. It might be a purpose group. Well, what's the difference? Thursday, you'll find out. You'll find out every detail you need to make a decision in Christ. And neither one's the wrong decision. Just do what Jesus says. Jesus loves you so much. His plans for you are so big. But they won't happen by yourself. You don't have to do life alone anymore. Let us love you. Let us pray for you. I'm going to pray. And then what we've been doing just recently is just having you pray with each other for just a couple minutes. Just in your groups or in your rows or whatever. And if you don't want, no one wants to lead, the prayer group will be wandering right through here and they'll pray with you if you want them to. But let me pray and then you'll pray just together for each other because we need the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I thank you for your word and your truth. I thank you for the revelation that you've given us. It's, it shouldn't be that shocking. It is, so, it is so glaring in your word. Go and make disciples. How did you do it, Jesus? Well, I walk, with, I walk with this group of guys. And then I took a few of them and we got even tighter. Oh, that's it? I mean, no, no, no classrooms, no seminars, no like, like filling in the blanks. No, no, we just did life together and we, and, and we, we sought the Father. And, and we got real with each other and we cried with each other and we laughed with each other and we prayed with each other. Okay, then I guess we'll do that too because that seemed to work. And I don't want to complicate things. If, if it's my idea, I will jack it up all day long. But Father, if it's your idea, well, you'll use Meadows Church to change the world. In Meadows Church, it isn't this place. It is these people. And there are people in this messed up church that desperately need you. And I pray right now, and I really pray in a second, when they pray together, they'll get real. And if someone's dying or hurting or just maybe just eroding away on the inside, they'll say something so we can lay a, a, a supernatural hand on them by the power of Jesus Christ and watch what you do in their life. For the person that feels alone, battered, bruised by the world, scared on the inside, God, thank you for bringing them here today. Let them feel your love and your peace and your presence like never before. Thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the greatest miracle in history. If a man can do that, wow, what could you do in me and you? Father, thank you for loving us the way you do. Even when we mess up, even when we stray, even when we walk away at times, thanks for pursuing us, chasing us, loving us, and never leaving us. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I want to ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. 
So again, thank you so much. I love you and God loves you more. God bless you.